It's Tuesday, June 14th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear. Hot, melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Celebrating Father's Day a little bit early this year. My slippers. Usually around $149.99-ish. Down all the way to $49.99. They've also got their uh, forever ongoing BOGO extravaganza. But when you use promo code STEAK at checkout... You get big, big savings on a large variety of MyPillow products. Hit them up on the website, MyPillow.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, or an uptown girl, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger, and you can talk to him via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, I got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last, but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday down at dumpbox.us. You can find him on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website, steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, our website, newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 143. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. What's going on, guys? Guys, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking with the uh, spokeswoman for MAGA Inc., Miss Trump World herself, Liz Harrington. We're going to sit down with uh, 
California's first Republican senatorial candidate in a decade, Mark Mischer, and we are going to do the news with none other than Miss Emma Mitchum. All right, joining us first on the show today, a guest we've been looking extremely forward to having for a very long time, finally able to lock it in last week. She is currently the spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, Miss Liz Harrington. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, ma'am. How's everything going with you? Great. I mean, I'm not tired of winning yet, right? And the country certainly is not winning right now. But uh, working for President Trump, it sure feels like, you know, there's so much energy. There's so many things we want to do. And uh, it feels like we're just getting started. I think that's uh, what a lot of people take out of context today. I was actually talking with one of my friends yesterday. He just he he fell short in a house race uh, last week in New Jersey. But we were talking about politics and, and I kind of had to lay it out there for him. I said, and you got to listen, we're, we're still like two years out. We're like quite a while away from any official announcements coming. Although if you want to break news on Steak for Breakfast today, we have a button for that <laughs> too. Uh, but it's it's one of those things I said, we're not going to get all the material. We're not going to get the, the reveal of the full hand like this close to the gates. Like right now it's about the midterm elections. That's where everybody's focus needs to be. It's the only way to slow down. Um, you know, how, how bad, fast this country is going to hell, as Donald Trump puts it all the time. And uh, I think that's where the primary focus has been. It seems like that's what you guys have been laser focused on right now. And uh, it seems to be a pretty good method just based off the win-loss record alone. Oh, absolutely. We're so busy finding candidates. Uh, I mean, everyone's flooding us for President Trump's endorsement because they know how important it is. And we want to make sure we get it right. We want to make sure we get these great America First candidates in there. And it's an incredible responsibility that President Trump has because people respect his leadership, his opinion, and who he decides to endorse. And we've got huge primaries today, got some big ones um, that he put his you know, endorsement really on the line for some of these candidates because he knows it's no good if we win back the majority and we have a bunch of rhinos who are really, quite frankly, just part of the Uniparty, not going to actually change anything, and are seemingly happy with the state of the country right now. And we can't have that. We have to have a real opposition party. We have to have real fighters in there to save our country. Because, I mean, President Trump says it all the time, you know, 2024, there might not be uh, much of a country left. The time is now. We need people to get involved. We need MAGA to show up. We need America First candidates. And we need to stop the bleeding right now because, I mean, the Democrats are just hell-bent on destroying everything that's great about America. Yeah, they, they certainly are. It seems like no matter where you look, whether it's your grocery store shelves, the gas pump, your kids' education, foreign policy, the southern border— um, some of the other stuff we're going to get into, I don't want to tease it too much in a sec, but I do want to stay in this thread. Now you talk about the number of people coming in for president Trump. I think one of the big misconceptions that a lot of people have, we're well aware of it because we have a lot of the former administration officials come through our show quite frequently. Uh, ones that worked with the president, you know, we had a great interview with Max Miller just like two weeks ago, and he really got into some of the specifics of how people who want, you know, the president Trump stamp of approval on it. It is a long, tedious process to vet these people that you guys are, are endorsing. And I just want you to like maybe tell our listenership, you don't have to get into names or specifics, but just how hard of a process that is. You have to go back through years of like career work, public statements, social media to make sure that like these people aren't just bringing 
their name to you because they're popular or they're a familiar face? Because it seems like President Trump has endorsed quite a few unknowns uh, that are doing amazingly successful right now. And I think that goes into part of the vetting process. Right. And ultimately, it's his endorsement and he makes the call. And I mean, it, I'm so impressed by how he can even keep track of all of these people. I mean, it's a big country. And like I said, like everyone up from, you know, House or Senate down to dog catcher literally wants President Trump's endorsement if you're a Republican. That's just the way it is. And he knows all the players. He has, honestly, a lot of the background himself. And sometimes it'll just be, you know, conversations with him. Other times it's more extensive. Um, it's really, there's no one way uh, to the Trump endorsement except what he wants to do. And it's really a fascinating, interesting process. And it is very, um, you know, at times overwhelming because like I said, there are so many candidates, each district and race and different states are different. And there's different dynamics that go into, you know, some of these um, campaigns. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes on paper, what looks like the most MAGA candidate isn't actually the, mo you know, the best one that's suited, uh, the best one that can win. Just so many different things come in or just has that, you know, it factor that the intangible and President Trump really does have a knack for these sort of things as well. He, he kind of has a, a great read on the state of politics, but he yeah. really connects with the country and, and who has the potential to be great once they get to Washington, which that's the key. I mean, he's gotten burned a couple times. I mean, most famously with Brian Kemp. Yeah. He mentions it all the time. And he is very clear that he does not want that to happen. He wants people that are not going to stab, not just him, it's not about him, but the country and their constituents in the back once they get to Washington. That's the biggest fear. And so all of these different aspects go into that. You know, who's going to be the best candidate for this race, the best, push the best policies forward and who can ultimately win. So there's a lot going on. And I think, I mean, the record speaks for itself. He he really has the best endorsement record in, I think, the history of American politics. Yeah, and we've talked about it with a lot of other guests on our show. Uh, most recently, Joe Kent. You know, we, we talk about the diversity of some of these endorsements in the midterm elections. We're seeing for the first time, you know, our listenership, like everybody can't be like ripping their shirt open with like MAGA tattooed across their chest. It's what they bring to the table as far as like policy, as far as like their pulse on the American people and the places they're running for races in. You have like, you know, just across like, let's look at senators. You have like Herschel Walker, who's been down since day one. People like J.D. Vance, who got an endorsement, who wasn't MAGA, was, was you know, against some of the Trump policies. And then saw throughout the Trump presidency like, wow, he does back up what he says, and now it is helping the American people. It is helping the people of Ohio. All the way to people like Dr. Oz, who might not resonate in, like, the, you know, uh, in the MAGA community, but it, when it comes back to it, there's so many blue-collar housewives and soccer moms that just adore him in like, places of Pennsylvania. 
you know, we know it's a red state, but sometimes they just vote weirdly purple. And we've talked about that with some of the, uh, you know, people that President Trump has endorsed there, like Jim Bognett. And uh, we're going to have Governor Mastriano again. Well, Senator Mastriano right now. I'm I'm teasing a little bit. He'll be governor come (laughs) the fall. But he's going to be back on with us Friday night. And he said, you know, just sometimes the people don't necessarily vote with their brains. And and we got to just show them that, like, this is a huge, diverse group. They bring a lot to the table. You can't always have people just, like, absolutely banging on the table. You have to have people that can sit down by the fireside and talk to the American people. And I think that shows a lot of the credits to the endorsements that have uh, come across the board and have had huge successes. We have Adam Lexalt running today. He's a big uh, Steak for Breakfast fan. He's been on our show several times. We're very close with his campaign, so we're hoping he does well to flip that Senate seat in Nevada as well. But um, I wanted to transition on to uh, one of the things that has been unfortunately taken up the headlines, even though it's probably the least important thing besides COVID to the American people is the January 6th committee, and that's mm-hmm. only because it's being force-fed everywhere. Now, we're more of a rigged and stolen election type show. Everybody knows that, and it resonates with a lot of our listenership and, of course, our guests, because all the ones that are coming on are America First candidates who have that at the top of their platform. But, Liz, you've been a huge proprietor of, like, we are – Forcing the January 6th on the American people so we can take away from all the stuff that we already know happened, like the voting center shut down in the middle of the night. There's, you know, historical fraud in the blue wall states and cities like Philadelphia and Atlanta. We have the stuff from the 2000 Mules movie and all the other documentaries that are coming out that are showing some of this stuff going on. What do you think the big play is here? Is this just to distract people from what the real tabletop election issues are heading into the midterm and, and showing them this whole January 6th thing to try and like rehash open maybe non-politics followers, uh, you know, some of the stuff that they, you know how the file footage goes. It always shows a bunch of people like pushing on doors and stuff. And what, what's, what's your take on this? We know, we know you've pushed back on it harder probably than anyone else besides the president. But uh, at the same time, I'd like to get your take. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's part of that, but I think it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than this, you know, Red versus blue, politics as usual, you know, let's distract because things are going bad. No, no, things aren't just going bad. Like they're systematically destroying the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is part of it. They seized power and they don't want to give it up. And, you know, when the stolen election was happening, things I was telling people who, you know, didn't want to say anything. I said, do you think this stops here? No, we're going to lose the country. We're going to lose our system of government. It's not going to stop here. It doesn't stop at cheating in an election on this, you know, such a brazen manner. And, and that's what scared me so much. It was so brazen. And then they look at you like you're crazy. And no, what do you mean? This was the most secure election in history. <laughs> like, it's insane. Yeah. It, they were, it was so in your face. They literally kicked us out. I mean, they defied court orders. Uh, to have GOP poll watchers, and they they didn't care. And so, what this is the uh, really the logical next step is what we're seeing. And yes, like watching it, it they're so pathetic. I mean, I'm so unimpressed by our petty tyrants. I mean, they're just the most unimpressive people. But when you get past, you know, the superficialness of it, the ridiculousness of it. I mean, it, they had Chris Steyerwalt testifying. Like, is this this is the biggest joke ever? But when you get right down to it, it's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. I mean, because it's not just these, you know, losers like Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, 
you know, grandstanding. It's not just, you know, for votes. Actually, I don't think they care because they think they've got everything in the bag because what did they do last time, right? They don't care about convincing the American people. They care about pure, raw power. And it's not just them. It's not just these clowns on the committee. Look at what they're doing. Look at what the Justice Department is doing with this sham committee. They're working in concert. They're throwing political uh, dissidents in jail. They're throwing, you know, any of their political opponents. I mean, what's happened to Ryan Kelly in Michigan is, I mean, did you ever think you'd live to see the day? But no, this is, they're just getting started. They don't care if he was just exercising his First Amendment rights. They're going to try to throw you in jail. And that's really ultimately what this uh, sham illegitimate committee is. They're running this like they want to run the country, which is a one party state. Mm-hmm. So coupled together with everything else they're doing, it, it is so much deeper than just a distraction from things that are going bad in the country. It's a deliberate uh, attack on the republic, really. I mean, the attack on democracy, that's them. That is them. And they're using it to take away our freedoms. That's the other big part of it. It's really, you know, uh, in their eyes, a win-win-win because they can pretend that it's all MAGA patriots who are the domestic terrorists, right? It's all these people that they can infringe upon. They can use it to go after and continue the longest witch hunt in American history and try to prevent President Trump from running again if he chooses. It's all these different things, but coupled together, it is out to fundamentally transform the United States to no longer being a constitutional republic. Because look, the Constitution is not being followed. The legislative branch, uh, everything that Congress is supposed to lay out, that's not what this is. This is a show trial. It really is. And the statement President Trump put out yesterday, the 12-page written statement, uh, sums it up so well about why this is illegitimate, why it fundamentally goes against our system, which is due process, which is the uh, opportunity to have rebuttal evidence. Uh, This isn't a court. I mean, this is no legitimacy whatsoever. It's totally out of the Marxist playbook, and that's why I think it's so dangerous. Yeah, it certainly is, and I I think— it's pretty funny. We, we go all the way up leading to these hearings. You know, they're doing the, the victory dance for like the last week and a half. They go and do it again last night. You know, we fact-checked uh, Benny Thompson last week. He opened up the hearings talking about where he came from, like one of the most historically racist places on the planet. But when you look at his record of getting voted into the House, this November will be 30 straight years that he's been there. So, I mean, he's contradicting himself in his opening statements just for shock value. And it just seemed pretty funny to me today to see Donald Trump issue that official statement. And and look what happens. The January 6th committee gets canceled today for some reason and uh, pushed back a week, which they say is for some administrative things. But it seems as like as soon as Donald Trump pokes a whole bunch of holes in it, it doesn't carry or well float on water as good as they thought it would. You're done. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was great to see that and, and the big pushback. And we hope this thing is over. It's not going to go anywhere. There's not going to be any indictments. It's pretty you know, awful to see the Justice Department and Merrick Garland out there. Well, even Grant- if they do have it go away, it's the it's just like everything else that they do. It's just like they, they're able to put it on the news, and they're going to be able to refer to it constantly yeah. for the entire next couple of years. They're making their midterm commercials right yeah. now. So, 
it's it's one of those things we're just going to have to keep tracking it but we do feel like you know you do Liz it's it's completely illegitimate and and the only people that are getting messed up in this is the you know former Trump administration officials who are getting hounded constantly or their houses swatted and then a lot of the political prisoners who are just you know exercising their constitutional rights on January 6th of uh 2021 so we'll see what happens from there I want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in the Beltway right now. So, you know, we have all of these so-called strong Republicans in, in the House and the Senate who, who you know, want to do best for the American people. They come out, they give a sound bite, they jump on some of the news stations and, and talk about how bad the Biden administration is. But when you look at the actual receipts, you know, in the last couple of months, we've seen $53 billion get funneled into Ukraine, which was bipartisanly voted on. And then, you know, you have a whole bunch of Republican so-called senators uh, jumping on this bipartisan bill that's going to infringe on the Second Amendment. That doesn't sound anything like America first. It kind of sounds like America last to me. What do you think about that? Oh, it's an absolute disgrace. I mean, you've seen it time and time again. President Trump has railed on a lot of these rhinos before. I mean, think of think of it. They helped them with the infrastructure, which isn't even infrastructure. They helped them with, you know, the COVID scam relief. I mean, a big reason why we have inflation aside from the fact that we literally have cut off our energy supplies um, totally deliberately um, by this regime. And now at a time again, when they are fundamentally not uh, living up to their oath of office, right? They're, they're letting our border just be completely open and invaded. They're not having any, they don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about innocent kids that are being trafficked uh, every single day across our border. Uh, so that's who you're going to deal with to get so-called sensible uh, gun reform, whatever they want to call it. I mean, no, it's a total grab. It's a total gun grab. It's what they've always wanted, which is the gateway to confiscation, which is these red flag laws. And so any Republican who signs up to this is not a Republican, and you're doing it at a time when it's very clear that you're not working with anyone sensible on the other side. Their party is out to destroy America. So why would you work with them on anything until you say, hey, let's secure the border first, then we'll talk about all this laundry list, uh, this far left agenda you wanna push through. No, we need to, do, like, they don't know how to negotiate, but because they don't care, they're actually negotiating with themselves. It's all the uniparty. They, yep. It's the same thing. And I mean, this is, this cannot happen. I mean, you have 10 Republicans. So it looks like, I don't know, maybe it virtually can't be stopped, but this is such a disgrace. We need everyone to call, hold them accountable. And we, the bill isn't written yet. Um, but you know it's going to be so bad when this is the the so-called framework is and red flag laws is one of the biggest uh, parts of it, which is we all know. I mean, this will turn us into you know the Soviet Union mm -hmm. where everybody just snitches on people that totally innocent. It doesn't have to. You don't know where the complaint comes from, and then your guns are taken away. Anonymous no due sources. process, no second amendment. Yep. I mean, that's how it happens. And if you think they're not serious about that, they've done it everywhere else. They always disarm the citizens first. I mean, that's why the framers were so brilliant in getting the Bill of Rights because they knew what was so important to protect against tyranny. 
I mean, does anyone like what happened at this point with the lockdowns, with the mandates, uh, with all these things? Do you think that's going, you think it's going to get better or worse if we start giving up our Second Amendment rights? I think it's going to get worse. I think most people would agree with me. So uh, the fact that you don't even have a real opposition right now is just shameful. And all of these uniparty Republicans are so eager to join the next, you know, the next thing and throw away our rights. I mean, I didn't even get into Ukraine, but I mean, we have clear problems here. And again, the, the bit, most basic argument they could make, yes, we care about this conflict, which would have never happened under President Trump. Yep. But guess what? We care about our border first. So we can't send anything to Ukraine until you do your job and secure our border. That would be how you negotiate, but they don't care. Yeah, it's 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 good that you touched on that because I wanted to talk to you about it as well. It's the U.S. southern border right now. It's out of control. We've seen so many videos. I mean, they're getting slammed in uh, the Rio Grande Valley right now and at Del Rio. Of course, Arizona was hit hard over the weekend. Thousands of migrants from all these different countries. We've seen some great on-the-ground reporting from there. You know, we had Miss Carrie Lake on on Friday, and uh, we asked her to continue to talk about how her border policy is in, uh, is evolving as her campaign continues to pick up strength. And, I mean, she's literally going to turn that border into a militarized zone, and, and she's going to, at the state level, send people back to where they came from, which we just think is absolutely amazing and extremely comprehensive. She's doing such a great job getting that message out there. It really looks like it's resonating with the people. We did have one of the most safest and secure borders uh, probably in the history of our country for at least the last two and a half years of the Trump administration. We really saw amazing things going on down there. Uh, it wasn't widely reported, but we know the wall wasn't completed. We know that, you know, all the agencies were working collaboratively, both at the ports of entry and, and, and with the Border Patrol and ICE and HSI to prosecute those people bringing in drugs and smuggling children and stuff like that. And it just seems like, you know, that was just part of the Biden administration's you know, we got the flights going all over the country right now in the middle of the night, and they're up. And then now they're not even having people come into the United States at the land borders. They're just flying people in right now from, like, Ukraine and just having them come here to claim asylum. So it circumvents the whole, like, big photo opportunity at the border, these people coming across. And it's just so counterproductive to everything, and it destabilizes a lot of communities. I've talked to people that have, like, family members that are in the in the process, in the queue for uh, getting their permanent resident status or citizenship and they're upset because they're like, yeah, we've been waiting. I paid all this money. And I'm like, yeah, well, now there's a bunch of people cutting in front of you. So have fun yeah. waiting an extra three years on top of the two years you were already going to wait probably. Yeah, just fly to Mexico yep. and walk in. Yeah. So, Liz, what do you think it's going to take to get that border back under control? It's not a snap of the fingers or overnight thing. The, the Biden administration in such a short amount of time has done years' worth of damage. And we, we really try to educate our, our listenership. When these people come in, uh, whether they're let in with, you know, the, the notices to show up at some ICE agency or before a judge at some point down the road, or they just are the getaways, like it's almost impossible to remove them because they all start having children. They just get into the wind and get lost in the system. And we're talking about, I think President Trump's been the only person that's been close to accurate with the numbers. Like everybody says, oh, 1.2, 1.4. And Donald Trump's out there saying like 4 million, 6 million. It's going to be 10 million by 2024. He's probably right. Yeah, whatever the people in control say, it's most likely mm -hmm. a lot more. And, and hasn't it been 11 million undocumented for like the last 30 years? <laughs> they <laughs> use the same number. They claim that's how many uh, illegal immigrants are living in the country. No, it's so much more than that. And it's the same thing with what's going on now. 
they're way underestimating. And they only and a lot of it is what they count, you know, who they catch, but they're just letting them in the country anyway. So you have to count those. And then the real bad guys are totally just walking in uh, where they divert attention away from. I mean, this is catastrophic. We will not have a country. I mean, we do not have a border. We have no sovereignty. And it hurts all Americans, but it especially hurts you know, the working class Americans living on these border towns. And like you said, the law abiding, the, the person who wants to come to America to be a law abiding citizen who's standing in line and trying to do the right thing, you're going to be pun- punished. You're going to be penalized. It's the same way that there's pallets of baby formula on the border for people who have no right to be here and our mothers cannot get it. I mean, it's the same principle that they're applying, which is punish the law abiding. And it's, it's utter lawlessness. And we have, we have to get under control. God bless Carrie Lake. She is such a great Trump endorsed candidate. I think she's going to just blow this uh, race wide open. And especially with plans like that, you know, the sad thing is we have a Republican governor already right in Arizona. We have one, um, already and they're not doing anything. Um, they're not using every power you have. I mean, what is it going to take? And I think Carrie Lake, her idea should be emulated in all of these states. You know, Greg Abbott, also Trump endorsed, he was sending, you know, buses to DC. To me, I live, you know, in the DC area. <laughs> so I'm like, no thanks, please don't. <laughs> like, you think they're going to stay in DC? No, they're going to go wherever they want. Yep. No. We need to do everything we can and make them come, make them fight you in court. We know they will expose the charade for what it is, Mm -hmm. expose the Justice Department. They will come after you and file lawsuits and everything else. But, hey, you got Ken Paxton, another great Trump endorsed candidate that takes the Biden regime to court. He wins most of the time. Um, You need to take proactive action to defend your state sovereignty. I mean, otherwise there's going to be nothing left. I mean, this is so unsustainable and it's just a march and you're going to have to militarize the border because it is an invasion. I mean, have you seen, they're just unabated walking right in and that is, you know who that's good for? The cartels Mm -hmm. and the sex traffickers and the drug traffickers. It's not good for the person who just has, oh, hey, they're open, let's go to America. It's not good for that person. They suffer so much and they'll have to be enslaved to the cartels who are now running things. No, what helps the average person who wants a better life in America or anywhere else is a strong America and law and order. What President Trump did, remain in Mexico. He got Mexico to actually secure their side of the border too with all of those troops. So he showed the way to do it. It's very easy to do if somebody just has the will to do it. And clearly the people pretending to be our leaders now do not, and it's worse than that. I think they want us to have no border. I mean, they they want this country to collapse. I don't see how there's any other way uh, around it. Yeah, it's pretty funny that you say that because we just had the like Conference of Americas in, in Los Angeles this week and Mexico's president declined to go. And we also know that, you know, part of like 
of a grandstanding measure, the Biden administration has asked Mexico to kind of shut it down with the large number of Russians and Ukrainians who are coming over. And, and Mexico's like, well, we have this trade deal where, like, we give Russia agriculture products and they give us free COVID vaccines. So what are you giving us? And since it's nothing, they're not stopping all the people who are crossing their country and, and coming up to the U.S. southern border from coming in there. So pretty interesting developments. It looks like, you know, at face value, it's pretty bad relationships right now. But when you look at the Biden administration from top to bottom, how many people either aren't working with us anymore in just a year and a half or just flat out aren't picking up the phone? Oh, it's it's so, so embarrassing to have this to our great country. It really is. And now he's going to be going over and begging Saudi Arabia when we have more oil and natural gas and energy than we need. I mean, if we would just tap into it, which President Trump did, but it's the same thing. I mean, it's such an embarrassment. Joe Biden's not actually running things no. anyway. He's not the, I mean, they put him out there, honestly, I think to just try to demoralize us. <laughs> um, it's, it's awful. I mean, today he's out there ranting and raving, like we're helping people. It's like, you're psychotic. Which people? You're a sociopath. Um, but it's just, it is so, so terrible. Um, he's not running anything. And the real question is who is, and just like we don't have sovereignty on the border, we are in a real, it's why I love this, like over, um, this ridiculous, exaggerated rhetoric around January 6th attack on democracy, you know, actually there is, and actually there is a crisis of the constitution and it's them, it's what they've done because we don't have a president right now. We don't have a vigorous executive because he wasn't elected. And you know, even if you wanna lie and say he got 81 million votes, <laughs> he's clearly not actually running things. So that is, a, that is a constitutional crisis. We're supposed to have a president who makes these decisions, not a never uh, ending, always enduring bureaucratic uh, state uh, where it doesn't matter who's elected. They think it doesn't matter. They said, oh, the people wanted Donald J. Trump. Eh, too bad. We're not going to follow these orders. We, yep. we don't have chain of command, all of these different things. That is a crisis. We're already in one. And now we're really in one because everyone knows Joe Biden. He's, he's just a senile puppet at this point. They trot him out there, but he's not actually making decisions. Yeah. No, we completely agree with That's you. It's like there. a game of clue. We're trying to figure out like is it Barack Obama in the basement with the pajamas? Is it Susan Rice with Rice? the earpiece? Yeah. Susan Rice and all her staffers that now work in the Biden administration. Who oh. could it be? There you go. Liz, is it pretty safe to say that Joe Biden's not gonna get the sword dance treatment when he goes to Saudi Arabia next month? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we just wanted, there might be something oh with the sword. We wanted that actual receipt from you. Liz, this has been awesome sitting down with you for the first time. Uh, we hope it's not the last. We'd of course like to invite you back at some point in the future. We love watching you on TV and seeing you work real hard for Donald Trump and and uh, you did not come to disappoint today. I think our listenership is going to be really pleased with uh, the message that you're portraying. It's the one that, uh, you know, we continue to do now for almost three years on Steak for Breakfast as we're working our way up the chain. Hint, hint, wink, wink. And there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, don't worry, we won't pressure you with getting us Donald Trump on the first time you're on. But we do, we, we do proclaim ourselves as the most America first podcast in America. We are also, I'm going to, I fact checked myself. John Bachman does it video wise, but only minor ones on Newsmax. We are the only show that does cover to cover with guests, full coverage of every Trump rally that has ever happened. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, we, we 
block off an hour of it and we give everybody the choice cuts, you know, everything from uh, he doesn't use the fake news teleprompters to <laughs> him almost calling Mitch McConnell a son of a crow. So we, we, we have all the receipts and we've played them. We, we would wonder if you would be so inclined, even though it's your first time, we don't want to pressure, you know, first date stuff. We've gotten full and total endorsements from Rick Grinnell, Cash Patel, Christina Bob, Carrie Lake. Uh, do we have the Liz Harrington seal of approval? I will give you, I'm ready now. It's only been one show, but I'm ready to give you my complete and total endorsement. Uh, you guys are great. I'm always happy to come back on. Thanks. So are you, Liz. Where can we find you? Website, social media, anything you want to give out to our listenership? We'll live link it in the show description today. Uh, Truth Social. I'm at Real Liz USA. You sure are. And don't even bother with Twitter. I you, that, that tweet you got pinned to your profile, it says, I'm not tired of winning. I have literally liked that tweet thousands of times and they just delete the heart off of it to take away from your numbers but uh liz this has been awesome sitting down with you we're going to ask you to come back at some point in the near future and you are the spokeswoman for the 45th president of the united states the one and only donald trump miss liz harrington thanks for coming on steak for breakfast thanks so much all right joining us next on the show after an impressive win last week which uh, helped end a drought of 10 years without a gop nominee on the ballot in November's for the U.S. Senate out of California, running an amazing campaign there. Mark Major, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. So how's everything going with you? I mean, you're right back to work, I'm sure, after the uh, primary elections last week here in California, but uh, it has to feel good to uh, get out there and uh, be showing up on the ballot against Padilla in November. Uh, you know, that was... You know, to end the 10 year streak of not having a Republican on the ballot for U.S. Senate uh, in 10 years, that was goal number one. Goal number two is to end the 30 year drought that we've had of not having a Republican representing the state of California in the United States Senate. Yeah, those are some uh, pretty stifling numbers there, to say the least. Uh, I think what we're looking at right now is uh, what. That has to say something about the people in California. You know, they call us one of the most radical progressive states in the country. You know, Gavin Newsom has done an amazing job of making us look awful amazing. over the course of his tenure. Uh, but, but it really has to say something about the actual pulse, the heartbeat of this state when they push back so hard and uh, don't have two Democrats on the ballot in November. Yeah, well, the, the thing that's going to be uh, very interesting is we saw an extremely low turnout uh, by Democrats. And as we are looking at trends and stuff like that, it really is looking like it's the election of 2014, where Jerry Brown was going for re-election, Kamala Harris was going for re-election, and there wasn't a lot of excitement in the race. And what's interesting to see is in that type of environment, as Republicans in the state of California, we actually have a really good chance of winning if we simply get our base out to vote. And we're seeing a couple different demographics that are swinging very fast. One is the Hispanic vote in the state of California. The other is the parent vote in the state of California. You know, parents who are so frustrated with their children having a greater chance of being hit by a meteor walking to school than dying of COVID <laughs> and all the regulations that have been piled on uh, their children and the the abuse that's been on their children. Uh, parents are really livid, and they've they've had a major swing from saying that they're going to vote for Democrats to voting for Republicans. And we see a lot of excitement over school board races this year. And it, it's uh, 
it's going to be important to find those synergies, to work uh, with candidates across the state to generate excitement over the opportunity to actually have representation in D.C. for Californians. And so that's what I'm spending a lot of time in, on right now is building those synergies, talking to those groups and you know getting our message out. And it's, it's really exciting time, uh, you know, one of the most, you know, as someone who's followed elections for many years, we haven't seen an opportunity like this in several decades. No, we certainly have. And, and, and I think uh, the, the big facts you say there is getting the base out. You know, it is kind of a thing in California where people get really complacent. They always know that like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have our mail-in ballots. And I guess we'll, we, we, we could go vote, but we really don't have to because our state's so entrenched in, in, in Democrat politics right now. But it seems like you guys are there's a lot of amazing house seats uh, running in California under you as well uh, in, in the uh, Republican Party. And it's going to be good to see you guys collaborate on the on the ticket as you move towards the November elections. Yeah, and I, I, I have a call with multiple congressional candidates. I probably talked with over a dozen congressional candidates today, you know, building our plans and strategies for this coming uh, this coming election cycle. And I'm, you know, going to be uh, talking with more as time goes on. So, uh, you know, we're going to be working together. Uh, I'm very optimistic that we're going to see some victories that nobody saw coming. Um, I, I think this is going to be very similar to uh, what we saw in New Jersey, where all of a sudden a lot of people were like, oh, that was a whole lot closer than it, they expected. Only difference is we're, we, we, we're going to make sure that they know it's coming so that way we actually get across the finish line. Now, moving forward and throughout the primary season, we've talked to dozens and dozens of candidates on this show, uh, everyone running from senator to House seats and governors across the country. We know how there's kind of touch and go locking you into debates and forums throughout the primary season. But once it's into the general election, you guys are going to pretty much get on a stage at some point and have actual debates, you and Padilla. Not guaranteed, because the, the, the unwritten rule in California is Democrats don't uh, debate Republicans. And so, unfortunately, that has not been the case where they're going to be willing to debate me. But that being said, we do uh, do have some things that we're looking at to try to help encourage that a debate actually occur. Yeah, we'd, we'd certainly like to see that so we can get some receipts on some of the things that, uh, you know, even though the Democrats have, have for the most part, had a long-term control in California, their politics just don't reflect the the actual people who live in this state. You know, they represent the people who are at the top percentages of the people that live in San Francisco and Sacramento and Los Angeles, and that's about it. Um, well, I, you saw you just mentioned San Francisco. I mean, three months ago, we saw the most progressive city in California basically get rid of yep. three progressive school board members, and we just saw them vote to get rid of their DA. And so uh, there, there's some change going on right now. And I think there's a lot of people upset with the issue of inflation, yeah. with issues of crime, uh, you know, the issues of gas prices uh, that, you know, we're, we're, you know, not every progressive is going to go vote Republican, but we are seeing a lot of people who are really upset at the woke progressive agenda and they feel like the Democrat Party has left them. And some of those Democrats are actually making campaign contributions to my campaign. They're actually saying, you know, enough is enough. We need some balance in the state of California. 
Yeah, and, and I know you touched earlier on about the, the COVID restrictions and some of the job shuttering that went down that probably factored into the success you had last week. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, there's so much other stuff that people in California are concerned about. Obviously, we saw the school board stuff, huge. Uh, the radical progressive DAs in the major cities that are letting the cities become unvisitable or livable in right now. And uh, it, it just seems like the only things that they're worried about is is letting people in through our southern border and climate change, which are probably two of the least attractive topics, I think, for anybody from top to bottom in the state. Uh, and, and it's probably going to be things that you're pushing back on hard in your campaign. Yeah, I mean, I've already seen it. The, the liberal media is focusing in on guns and abortion and it's, it's, it seems like that is their issues that they think is the only chance that their candidates get across and so it's, it seems like every interview is about guns and abortion guns and abortion guns and abortion uh you know just last week we saw the january 6th hearing and i i made a tweet about you know how long this is going to stay in people's minds uh not even 24 hours because when they go to the gas pump and have to pay $100 for a tank of gas, they're going to forget about the January 6th hearing because, you know, $2 gas under Trump sure looked pretty darn good right now. I can't even imagine that right now. Just like, and that's the thing. It's like, it just gets you, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. And it gets to the point where you're so desensitized to it. You're like, oh good, it's only $6. And you're just like, what what did I just say? That's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Kiley had a great tweet last week. He says, I don't know uh what's worse the fact that the national average of gas is five bucks or that here in california we think that would be a good deal yeah it's the truth a lot of people don't understand like they talk about that inflation rate that came out earlier this week they said it was like 8.6 percent we know they're fooling around with the numbers but we're closer to 20 percent across the board when you look at everything from groceries and gas and energy to to heat and cool your homes out here in california we've just been getting killed this year and it's great to see your campaign, well, just getting started right now. You had a huge success recently in the in the primaries. And then the biggest thing you talked about was getting mobilized, getting organized, getting collaborative with some of the other candidates in the state. We want to let our listenership know, and obviously we're going to have you back between sometime in November, what exactly you need right now to make sure that your campaign, now that we're heading towards the general election, continues on the right foot. Uh, right now, the the most important thing is building that rebuilding that war chest. So if anybody's able, go to markmoisture.com, M-A-R-K-M-E-U-S-E-R.com. What's interesting is we had over 60% of our contributions that came in, came in from people who gave less than $200. Now, while we do enjoy those $2,900 checks, uh, you know, the vast majority of my contributions have come from people who is like, you know what? I can give 20 bucks. I can give 50 bucks. I can give a hundred bucks. And, you know, that's who I want to be answerable to when I go back to DC. I want to be answerable to we, the people. I don't want to have to say, oh, thank you, big business for that contribution. Since you helped ensure that I get elected, let me now uh, scratch your back with this vote. I would rather be in DC free from the control of big business, big tech or uh, big pharma. I would rather say, you know what? It's the it's we the people who put me in office here. So I don't care about your bill that helps your company. These are the people who put me in. So I do always encourage, uh, you know, no matter how small it is. I mean, I got a contribution today for five bucks from, uh, you know, some from a donor. I've, I've received one dollar contributions. But, you know, every contribution really helps. And they can go to markmoisure.com. I also encourage them to go to my Facebook, Instagram, uh, true social 
or in your Twitter and follow me there. We, we're we're constantly talking about the issues there. Uh, you know, like, comment, and share. That's 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 what we need right now. When we start getting closer to the election, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to volunteer, and you can get on our volunteer team by going to markmoiser.com. Are you listening to that, California? It's been a long time coming. Mm. And uh, it's time to start getting these boots on the ground activated. We are going to live link your social medias and your campaign website in our show description today. And like I already mentioned, Mark, we're going to be, of course, looking to invite you back uh, at some point closer to the fall. Yeah, and it's not just limited to Californians because as California goes, so goes the nation. So if you live in another state, you know, deep red state that's going to elect Republicans, give some volunteer time here to the state of California and help us – you know, make phone calls or, you know, even come out here and knock some doors and let's help us get across the finish line. I mean, I, I actually talked to a donor the other day who basically said, I normally never give money to candidates in California. And that's all I'm doing this year because this is the year we're going to win in California. And it's like, I'm making sure that those candidates running in California have the support so that they can get their message out. So we don't continue to allow California's woke progressive policies to dictate the direction of this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that we have to keep at the forefront right now. And and it's one of those things, California. It is frightening that California leads the way. It's like, oof. Yeah, well, it's going to be a lot better after November when people like Mark are leading the way. Yes. He, He is a constitutional and election law attorney. And now the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate from the state of California. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast, Mark Moiser. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. All right, joining us to do the news today, she's one of our favorite influencers. You may know her as a, uh, she's out there fighting the culture war one meme at a time. Miss mm. Emma Mitchum, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our Can't pleasure. Wait. How's everything going with you? Good, good. I'm uh, just settling back in. I was on the airplane for like 24 hours. I had a overnight layover in Charlotte coming back from Oregon. So uh, it's nice to be settled in. Uh, got a full night's sleep. So, yep, back at it. Another week. How's everything going on in the free state of Florida? It's good. I was, uh, you know, I tell people it's kind of like uh, Narnia. When I yeah. left Florida, fly back to Oregon, it feels, I felt like I was leaving the wardrobe, going back into, you know, the real world, Oregon, and, you know, icky, icky weather and poor politics. And then when, you know, I'm heading back to Florida, I'm entering the wardrobe again into Narnia after the White Witch is dead, of course, not <laughs> during her reign, of course. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a different bubble. That's kind of how I visualize it in my head. Well, I love it. It's been a good change. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's a positive change. I mean, you know, there are really beautiful places in Oregon. I've been there dozens of times. I really like it up there and would live there. But some of the major cities, on the other hand, are uh, not so much. So you yep. got But the the nature aspect, the rural aspects of it, are just beautiful. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's a great place to uh, visit. But uh, well, on the other hand, the country's going to hell. I think we're all pretty. Uh, lined up with that what do you think about uh the current state of politics how's the nation looking right now to you from your lens it's bad um i'm kind of fortunate i don't have to commute every day to work since i work at home but i can't imagine what most people are going through just having to start their car up every day monday through friday and making their commute it's uh it's bad organ prices were uh, like 560 a gallon Florida right now is where I'm at. It's 485, which is below the national average, wow. which is shocking. 
but uh for now but uh it's bad it's not getting better and i don't see it getting better uh i could see it hitting seven eight dollars by the end of 2022 at this rate i don't see any reverse especially with the stock market tanking it's bad the dominoes are falling yeah in the wrong direction yeah, they certainly are. Believe it or not, we're almost at seven dollars a gallon here in Southern California. I paid six sixty nine the other day. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And what kind of car are you driving? Are you driving a Honda Civic or a Forerunner? Close. I mean, it, well, you laugh, but it cost me sixty three dollars to fill up my Prius. Hey, good for you. Know what? That's pretty impressive. Good for you. You're beating the the system when it comes to gas. I guess. Wow. I mean, two years ago, I could have paid $63 and had a Tundra. So it's one of those things right now where, you know, we're living on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, we're going to jump into the yep. news right now with you. So we, I've got some choice cuts played up for us in a news mash segment. We're kind of going to go through, instead of doing a whole bunch of topics, we'll just go through kind of like the uh, taste the rainbow of the 50 shades of the Biden administration right now. Mm. And uh, Sounds good. he wrapped up the America's conference uh, earlier in the week. And, and, you know, Joe Biden loves borders. He knows his borders very well. Uh, he definitely knows how to open up the door. And he likes to pass the buck on to Kamala Harris, even though she wants nothing to do with it. So let's hear him kind of <laughs> give him one of those jobs. I, uh, I thought it was important uh, that I come by because I think when you have uh, everyone from presidents to prime ministers to foreign ministers here, this should be principle to principle. The vice president has been kind enough to take on managing this part of the portfolio for me, just as I did for when I was vice president for my former president. And uh, and I uh, but uh, it is uh, it is something that uh, and I've asked her to personally do this. It is my responsibility. And I want you to know that on a leader to leader level, like we did, whether it's uh, at uh, dealing with climate in Europe or here, it's uh, it should be person to person. And you should have access to me, and I hope I can have access to you as well. Now, you know, I listened to that clip at my kitchen table three times last night. And that my sounds wife, like a Kamala speech. She was sitting next to me, like, and after, like, the... Th- like halfway through the third time, she's like, what is he talking about? And I was like, someone asked him a question on the crisis of the southern border, and that was his answer. And she's like, can you start that over again? And we sat there and listened to it. She's like, I don't know what to say to that. She's like, he didn't say anything. Yeah. I said, yeah, he did. He said person to person and principal to principal, and he liked the job that Kamal Harris, and before he could say he did with it, he said, you know, under my former administration when I worked with the other guy who was the president at the time, that wasn't me, it was him. It was just, uh, And then that's my story. <laughs> And how embarrassing is it to see that as the president of the United States? And, and like, he's, he's literally at a global summit. A lot of people shunned him and, and, and didn't participate at the presidential level in this thing. But they, they did send delegations, and they have to sit there and watch him field questions like that. Oh, I can't imagine. I would love to be a fly on the wall in these meetings or roundtables with Biden. I mean, you kind of, you know, you look at pictures and you're just, I'm always looking at everyone's face, kind of see how they're reading the room and like are they staring at biden are they thinking what are they thinking like this guy's got dementia this guy is no way this guy really won like i would love to hear their actual thoughts like in the movie what women want you hear you know uh uh all the women are hearing mel gibson's thoughts oh yeah and vice versa or vice versa yeah, yeah. The way around. Mel Gibson, he was, yeah i mean i would love to have that phenomenon happen with everyone reacting to biden just it, w- what it would are be they amazing really can you imagine just like hearing like Jen Psaki's internal monologue, like, f- 
fuck, I have to do this again. When, yeah. when Peter Deuce starts yeah. a question. This motherfucker. The president stated <laughs> this week, which seems to be a cladicismic shift in U.S. foreign policy and then fill in the blanks, and she's probably like. <sighs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, there's a, a guy on Twitter I think it's Stephen voiceover and there's another one that does oh he's so great done, like like earpiece like yeah. it's an earpiece you kind of hear them yeah i would love to hear that i love when Stephen oh voiceover puts out those those reels that are like these are leaked audio tapes from the secret service and they're <laughs> just like oh the yep. eagle is he's lost oh uh <laughs> you know what i'm just gonna let him do his thing uh so yeah we we actually talked about it on the show last week there was a breitbart article some f- people who are leaving the administration and they all are like the rats jumping off the titanic right now they were saying that Recently, Joe Biden has been having some like yelling and screaming meltdowns that he wants to know why everybody in the administration goes out and tells the media what Joe Biden meant to say was. And he's like, don't fucking do that anymore. I'm the president. Whatever I say, I mean. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, gosh, I could only imagine what some of those yelling matches are like behind closed doors. Oh, I know. Well, I'm just hoping there's going to be a brave patriot that's going to write a tell all and it's just going to they're going to spill the beans Maybe, you know, the carrier of the nuclear football will write a book. Yeah. I mean, uh, like the one under the Clinton administration, he wrote a book. And he was the fly on the wall with all of the, everything you could imagine with Hillary and Bill. He yep. was there in the room. So I would love another tell-all like that. Ron Klein, she's, she's talking to you, Ron Klein. You, you, can, you can write all those books right there. Um, <laughs> well, over the course of the weekend, I also thought it was interesting. Uh, I saw... They rolled out AOC this week, I guess, to uh, kind of get everybody's focus off of the mess Joe Biden had at his speaking events. Um, She was on the state of the fake union, I believe we call it, on Sunday, and she sat down to uh, answer some questions about, you know, the the green agenda and all this other stuff. But towards the end of the interview, they kind of slipped one in there and asked her if about, you know, will she give her full and total endorsement to Joe Biden in 2024? Her answer might be interesting to you. Ask uh, about President Biden. He is saying he's going to run again in 2024. Will you support him? You know, if the president chooses uh, to run again in 2024, I mean, first of all, I'm focused on winning this majority right now uh, and preserving a majority this year in 2022. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But um, but I think if if the president has a vision and that's something certainly we're all willing to entertain and examine when the when the time comes. That's not a yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we should okay. endorse when we get to it. But I, I, I believe that the president has been doing a very good job uh, so far. No, you and, haven't. Um, you know, should he run again? I think that I, you know, I think it's it's we'll take a look at it. Okay, <laughs> but cut. right now we need to focus on winning a majority instead of a presidential election. I like that. She dropped a tactical Kamala Harris on mm. You know, we'll just cross that bridge and it happens. <laughs> I'm like, wow, good for her. Yeah, she wasn't expecting that follow-up question. So, uh, I don't know. Answer that. What do you think? Is it? Is it? We know there's no love there between AOC and the Biden administration because they were all on Team Bernie. But over the weekend, it was also announced that Bernie Sanders says he is not looking to run. And, I mean, he's already been screwed over two times by the DNC, but looking to run for the presidential nomination in 2024 either. So, the field is starting to thin already. I think they're kind of clearing the way for Gavin Newsom. I don't know what everybody else in the room thinks right now. No, I agree with you there. And I don't mean it'd be the stupidest thing ever. At this point, Bernie knows there's like no purpose or reason for him to run. It just, he'd just be embarrassing himself, really, further. Yep. 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 
Yeah, Bernie's got no chance. Uh, yeah, the nomination was stolen from him twice. Why would he do it again? And of course, he's not going to do it with a sitting Democrat president. He's not going to primary Biden. He could probably pull it off if they were, you know, honest about it. But uh, although I think from a strategic standpoint, I'm kind of glad Bernie's not in it because he has more popularity, at least with the millennials and the Gen Z people. Yeah, more popular but, uh, with people that have no idea how the world works. Exactly. I feel like it's easier for Trump to beat Biden than Bernie if I had, if it's a fair election. It's a, well, Trump has it in the bag. Depends who's counting. Biden in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I don't think that the nation's ready. Like, when you look at the field that's starting to thin, you obviously you're going to have people like, well, Joe Biden's still in the mix. Kamala Harris really doesn't resonate with anybody. Neither does Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren. Uh you know, um, Beto's not going to win the governor's race in Texas, so he's going to be like a three-time loser. Um, he might as well just go run for a house seat so at least he gets on TV every day. He can go on CNN and talk about all the stuff that he's not doing in Congress. And then you have people like, I think, Gavin Newsom kind of, and Hillary Clinton. Those are the, mm-hmm. I think, two at the top of the ticket. Tulsi Gabbard's done so much conservative media lately. I don't even know what she's doing. I hope she doesn't run for president again because it's just going to confuse people. I mean, she's on Fox News every single day of the week on every single show. And even though I really don't like her politics, she does give thoughtful insight sometimes. Uh, But then she goes and runs for the Democrat nomination. I'm like, okay, I know you're trying to cater to, like, the middle, but the middle does not make up your base, and you're completely alienating the base by going on Fox News every day. So it doesn't really work that way, Tulsi. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, man – it would be California versus MAGA in 2024 if Gavin mm-hmm. Newsom tries that's, to run. That's interesting that you guys think Gavin is a possible contender. I mean, I guess, I guess so. I really think Hillary might be like, yes, they stole it for this dementia old man. They, we overcheated this time. So, yeah, I'm in, guys. Mm. Win yeah. this for me this time. They didn't cheat hard enough in 2016, so they overcheated with Biden, and it wasn't even realistic. So now Hillary's going to be like, yes, I'm – Put me in, coach. We're gonna we're gonna win it this time. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like that could be her mindset. Yeah, I've mentioned that a few times where I just thought that you know it was there was too many outside entities besides the ones who were doing a coordinated attack on the election, but there was too many true believers doing it on their own as mm-hmm. well, and it just made it. They're like, all right, so these are the numbers, and then oh shit, all these other guys like went totally buck wild. And <laughs> yeah, too bad we shut down those four states in the middle of the night. Look what happened. Oops. So here we are. Um, well, mm-hmm. oh, there's a water leak in the studio. Hold on. Just kidding. Green <laughs> Jean Pierre, yeah. she had a bad weekend, and, and that led up through through yesterday and today. Uh, she, she appeared over the weekend on Don Lemon, um, and kind of in the same thread of what that – it looks like CNN's kind of attacking the administration a little bit because the question he asked her uh, – well, she gave a little Kamala laugh, too, before she gave her weird answer. Let's this. hear her. The president had the stamina, physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? Don, you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's the president of the United States. You know, it, he I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, that is uh, I, 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 that is not a question that we should be even asking. Just look at the work that he does. Look what he's how he's delivering uh, for the American public. Mm. Look, that what that 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 article that we're talking about is hearsay it's salacious that's not what we care about 
We care about how are we going to deliver for the American people? How are we going to make their lives better? That's what the president talks about. That is his focus. Uh, and that's where we're going to continue uh, to, to focus on. She wasn't really ready for that one either. Really caught off. <laughs> that makes me want to pull out my hair. If I was Don Lemon, I'd be just, oh, gotta talk about gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. And insulting everyone watching that. Yeah. Right. He, he calls a lid on everything at noon. What is she talking about? She can't keep up with him. Wow. Holy cow. She can't keep up with the last place. Uh, oh, man. Where do I begin? I can't even. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, well, no. I mean, you make an excellent uh, point. I do have to fact check you a little bit. He puts a lid on everything at noon on the days he actually works. Mm. So all the other days, they just okay. have no events scheduled. It's one of those things where, you know, you've never seen an administration work less than the one that's going out there now. And then when they send oh, the, for sure. the complete retards out to do the uh, weekend talk shows who just all they do is read bullet points like, oh, yeah, greatest economy of all times, best jobs, president. You know, we, we, we know there's stuff going on at the border, but we're working comprehensively. We're watching with other it countries. very closely. Yeah, exactly. The, the data yeah. shows that the stuff that's reported in the news is not true. Meanwhile, you're showing like Jorge Ventura and all the other guys working down there. Like he went through like thousands of people this weekend from so many countries. I lost count. Yeah. And he's just going down the fence like Colombia, Colombia, Venezuela, Afghanistan, China. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And it's we're just getting slammed from every direction. And then of course, you know, the abortion ruling is going to come out for Roe v. Wade in the next couple of days here. I think next week they said, uh, it's going to be the week where they, or actually this week, I'm sorry, where they're going to release all the, uh, results on, on things that they're putting out statements on. So we're going to get a disposition on that. So they're making it about abortion. Obviously they have that, I'm air quoting now, bipartisan gun, whatever that 10 Republican senators jumped in on, uh, absolute, traitors and cowards to do that as a virtue single and uh you know they're not focusing on any of the issues that are just crushing american families every which way yep oh my gosh yeah there's a let's see to go back to at least the press secretary you know something that under uh biden they are like you never see them in the same room together like if you go to google images and you just google kaylee mcanany and trump or sarah huckabee and trump you will see plenty of shots of them in the same frame together you can't find any frame of jen Psaki in the same frame in the in the press briefing room or any any other uh, hearing or round table which makes sense because a lot of the answers she gives the press it's like she hasn't even been in the room with the president like she's just giving these vague like outsider like this is what she should say kind of answers rather than this is from you know firsthand experience or witnessing these meetings take place and it, I see that same, um, like, uh, answers from the new press secretary. Like, I don't think they're even with the president most of the time. They're yeah, just, they just like, get the talking it. points. That's it. It's weird. It's very weird. No, it is weird. You and, can't... and you make a good point. It is hard to find pictures of all. Even, like, there's so many retreads in the Biden administration, like Jen Psaki and people like that who worked uh, in the Barack Obama administration. And they were always all together. They traveled extensively every yep. day with huge entourage. I think it's part of the fact that Joe Biden doesn't utilize the Oval Office and that he's working remote, but who knows how remote. I think there's days where, like, you know, they'll say he's at the White House or whatever, but he's actually in Delaware. Or, or, or now I guess they have a summer home in Virginia, which he frequents. I heard he likes to walk on the beach there. So, But it, but he's definitely not doing work, and the people that are out there get lost on the beach. Yeah, making points for him or don't, don't even seem like they talk to him. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's really weird. Um, it's 
they're not even they don't have anything in their binders there's nothing they're just winging it just i wonder who's the right. person Any, anyone can do that job who's, if they're not even following the president and partaking in all the meetings who's the what Antoinette? like i wonder who the point person is like where does pierre like like who is giving her and feeding her this information <laughs> do you know what i mean like before she gets on the podium like where is she they literally like probably she... slap her on the ass and hand her a couple post-it notes like that's what yeah. it sounds like oh, she's got her binder now yeah she has her binder it's, yeah, but like, it's like it'd be interesting to know like who's kind of at the top of the chain like <laughs> yep. way. i don't know i mean I, clearly we know it's not she's just trying to look well, professional it's a binder of recipes well, don't worry I've, I've got a few more choice cuts from her i did mention the all-time greatest economy in history of economies mm. apparently now since we're at the beginning of a recession that's all been wiped out and peter Ducey is ready to take her to task on it let's hear it I once bragged about the stock market hitting record after record after record on my watch. How about now? Meaning the stock market? All the gains from President Biden's time in office have been wiped out. So, as you know, we're watching, we're watching closely. Mm. Uh, we know families are concerned about inflation in the oh. stock market. Uh, that is something that the president is is really aware of. And so, look, we face global challenges. We've talked about this. Uh, this is we're not the only country dealing uh, with what we're seeing at the moment as it relates to inflation. You know, Putin, Putin's price hike, inflation oh, uh, coming coming out of a once in a generation uh, global pandemic. All all of those things play a factor. And, uh, and you know, it, but the thing, the way that we see this is that the American people are well positioned uh, to face these challenges because of the economic historic uh, gains that we have made uh, under this president, under this president. <laughs> it's like, it, it's, oh my God. Hey, you know, nothing truthful. Yeah, they're they're boxing wow. themselves in with that once in a generation pandemic again. I yeah. keep telling them, you guys, you're not going to be able to use it again. You keep saying once in a generation, once in 100 years. You know, you're boxing yourselves in there. You can't yeah. bring it back for the midterms. We're not going to be able to monkeypox our COVID. And, uh, well, <laughs> did you hear that they're trying to change the name of monkeypox to make it more woke? Oh. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, they, they feel like they're saying it's racist, yeah. basically. Stop it. Yes. Wow. It is under review by the FDA and I the think, CDC. I think reviewing it in and of itself is racist. racist. Like, I would have exactly. never made that correlation. I would never. Is it homo sapien pox? It's like, gee, Unbelievable. what? It's, it's like, wow. tell me you're racist without telling me. Yeah. I, it's insanity. Like, the, it, the only benefit to everything being so fucking idiotic is that everything that they do cancels out something else that they do. Yes. It's just like, oh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be the way it is. And it's like, yeah, but you just said that it's not going to be that. You said that was racist. Well, I, uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Just like the China virus. The media was calling it China virus. When Trump said it first time, oh, they, How they dare twisted you. it, ended that. Yep. yep. It was racist. Yep. It certainly isn't. Mm. Peter Ducey wasn't done in asking <laughs> In addition to asking about the all-time greatest economy in the history of economies, he asked about the poll numbers, which now. So we all know throughout the course of the Trump presidency, most of the poll numbers were fake. Even when they showed him at what they would call all-time lows, they still weren't even that low, and they didn't really reflect the feeling of the American people towards President Trump. But now Joe Biden is regularly polling below those fake poll numbers that they used to give Donald Trump <laughs> in real life, and they don't know what to do with it. Didn't seem like a... KJP knew what to do either. Domestic one, please. Uh, most presidents, I'm guessing, would say they don't pay attention to the polls. 
Um, but does President Biden feel any concern that his approval rating is, is really pretty amazingly low and consistently low? Oh, um, wow, I today amazingly went the low. Average under 40 percent the first time. The president's focus on delivering for the American people. That's his focus right now. Uh, we're, we're watching it uh, very closely. We're, uh, we're looking at the data. We're looking at the data and... Uh, that guy, uh, that guy was reading the question, and he like made eye contact with her, and then he like read the whole question like looking down. <laughs> Hot water burned the baby. Yep. Yeah, it was. It, oh gosh. They're just calling him on it right now. You, you, you can't make this up. <laughs> Amazingly low. <laughs> like, was that on the card? Was he just trying to like go off the cuff and be like, ah, "What am I gonna?" Uh, I promise you. What I'll kind show of you. words can I use? Uh, amazing. She, Lilo. Oh, fuck. She, she called on him. She's probably like, oh, this guy looks nerdy. He looks like he works for, like, Time or the Wall Street Journal. Here, Junior, say something. And he's like, uh, yes. Oh, and then he just, like, starts looking down, and it looks like he's She's reading like, off of his fuck. phone. <laughs> it's like impractical jokers. Like, now ask her this. You said, like, <laughs> say historically low. Oh. Oh. Well, what do, you, what do you think, Emma? You think those numbers, in reality, are probably even lower than the media is reporting? It's got to be. Oh, absolutely. Just like the inflation numbers aren't really accurate either. No. Yeah. Whatever the media says, either plus or minus 10 points, mm-hmm. either way. Yeah. That's pretty accurate because yeah. they're, they're saying it's close to nine and we're experiencing in reality around 20 in California. So I, I think your your assumption on the equation is probably correct. Yeah. Yep. Same with the Trump numbers. Let's see, was, you know, 40% approval. I'm like, oh, probably 51 or more. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna get away from landing body blows on on KGP and and segue on to the January sixth shit show show trial that's going on right now. There, there's been well, apparently this week everybody is a two thousand mules expert because everyone from Bill Barr to Merrick Garland has weighed in on it. And uh, the first clip we're gonna play is leaked audio of Bill Barr giving testimony on it. Let's hear him. I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with, uh, with, uh, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff. On the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would, you know, tell him how crazy some of these allegations were, there was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. My opinion then and my opinion now is that uh, the election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that. Keyword, including the 2000 Mules movie. (laughs) And they laughed. So now, Emma, how do you identify when you talk about your 2020 presidential elections? Are you a rigged and stolen gal or more of a uh, crime of the century? Um, isn't that the same thing almost? Yeah, but we, we, both. we like to take Donald, I guess. Donald Trump's favorite pronouns about it. <laughs> See what crime of the century. No, it was a crime of the century. So, yeah, I guess I'm right on par with Donald Trump with his feelings on what happened. I, uh, I was in, uh, I, oh my gosh, they also stole the runoff too. They I was sure in did. Georgia door knocking. Yeah, no, it was ridiculous so, yeah i was up the entire night watching um results come in on election night i was actually in grand rapids michigan for the last trump rally and then i flew back home to oregon Ooh, blue, quite the long a, a blue, long weekend a blue wall stronghold week. state mm. very risque being up there mm-hmm. and uh um no it was a pretty big rally though 
Grand Rapids, Michigan, really. Um, he also was there in 2016. I guess he's a little superstitious. So same location, right on election night or election night eve. Yep, where he ran. But uh, yeah, it there was no doubt about it. He won bigly, as he says. Mm-hmm. It took like almost a week for the catch up. That's how huge he was. Like that's how big his margin of victory was on election night. He took. It took four days. You know, I don't know if you guys remember watching Georgia. It was one ninety nine percent reporting for 48 hours. I'm like, what is taking 48 hours for them to finish up that 1%? And you'd see trucks full Trump's six-point lead, yep. Trump's five- or six-point lead. Just It was like turning, you know, Jesus feeding, you know, 5,000 with two loaves of bread, and, you know, or five <laughs> like loaves of bread and two fish. Or I, I, I get the numbers mixed up. But you know what I mean. It's just like, how are these numbers – keep like where are these ballots coming from it's only one percent how many how much is one percent like i don't know five thousand ballots and then his lead trump's lead is down like six percentage points after that like that's no that's not how math works that's not no that's like trying to say two plus two equals five and it's not even believable either it's just like well yeah you know we're gonna you know that's one percent takes you know in georgia I'm sure Bri- like, I'm sure Brian Kemp will be fine in his next term as governor. Everything will I be mean, fine. if New York turned red like it turned <laughs> like Georgia turned blue, people would totally be like, That's a huge red flag. Yes. I mean I would kind of be a little curious about that too, if New York turned red. Wouldn't but mind it, but I'd be no, definitely suspicious of it. Yeah. Yes, that would be yeah, a little odd. But and if it was no, the Georgia, other team, yeah. They would be up in arms. Georgia right? Yeah, Georgia is red like New York is blue, and it's just insulting to have people say, well, you know, people are moving, so Georgia's you know, becoming more of a purple. No, it's not. No, it it's is not. red. No. Yeah, yep. when, you, when you talk to the real America First candidates that are coming out of that state and, and the way they're resonating with the people and the, the outstanding turnouts they saw in, in some of the House race primaries there, it's definitely, definitely not. It was like double, triple, quadruple turnout for Republican House candidates in Georgia. And you would see like all time lows for Democrats who who should be riding that wave of awesomeness. You know, they're going to win the governorship now. Of course, they've got two Senate seats. One's up for, uh, you know, reelection and they should be feeling great. But nope, doesn't show it, doesn't reflect it. It was like that weird stuff that Fox News did running up right up to the Georgia primary. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they would only go to restaurants and do their Fox morning news shows from places that they would bring on like these random people. And they'd be like, I voted for Donald Trump. But I'm voting for Brian Kemp. He's wrong on this one. And it was like day after day, person after person, I was like, wow, this is just some bullshit. Like uh, Paul Ryan, CEO of Fox, whatever. Yeah, it's like, here, uh, do you do you feel this way about the election? Mm-hmm. Come get breakfast for free at this yeah. day and event. Free waffles if you say Brian Kemp. Yeah. We don't even have to – we won't even ask you a question. You just say Brian Kemp and we'll we'll fix it with the video editor. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was pretty sad to see. Just like the January sixth committee, so they were they were back on. I think last night, uh, Benny Thompson, who apparently, well, he said last week that he came from the most racist house district in the history of the universe, even though he's been voted there every term for the last thirty years. So that didn't really make too much sense. Here's him talking about how the only reason people rioted at the Capitol on January sixth was because of uh, Donald Trump's election claims. Of course. Yet the former president continued to repeat those false claims over and over again. Today, we'll end things where we did on Thursday, back on January 6th, hearing words of individuals who wanted to stop the transfer of power. We know they were 
there because of Donald Trump. Now we hear some of the things they believed. Without objection, I enter into the record a video presentation. I know exactly what's going on right now. Fake election. They think they're going to fucking cheat us out of our vote and put this fucking Biden in office. It ain't fucking happening today, buddy. You voted? Yes, sir. Brand new shirt. Voted early. It went well, except for uh, the... Can't, can't really trust the software. Dominion software all over. We voted, and right in the top right-hand corner of the Dominion voting machine that we used, there was a Wi-Fi symbol with five bars. So that most definitely connected to the internet, without a doubt. So they stole that from us twice. We're not doing it anymore. We're not taking it anymore. So we're standing up, we're here, and whatever happens, we're not laying down again. It That's true. 230,000 votes disappeared from President Trump's tally, and you can't stand there and tell me that it worked. I don't want to say that what we're doing is right. Look at this winner. But if the election is being stolen, what is it going to take? Well, you we got to hear some some candid federal officers give their commentary on <laughs> the rigged and stolen <laughs> election like of twenty twenty. I, like, I mean, you and you can't just broad stroke paint everybody as a federal officer, but there, I mean, there are right. a bunch of. I mean, it's like anywhere you go, anytime you get a large group of people, regardless of whatever they're standing up for, you're going to have the mouth breathing idiots. They're going to say stupid shit. Of course. Of course. But yes, there were some feds in there yeah. for sure. <laughs> that first guy looked like he was like reading off a card. He's like, you know, the the things, the the machines and the, the stole my votes. And where'd President Trump's votes go? Funny part was none of those people were actually rioting at the Capitol. They were all outside. One was at the Washington Monument. Um, and a very, you know, the comment of, well, I don't know if what we're doing is right. It's like, well, yeah, you're protesting. It's okay, Antifa. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. You still got the uh, price tag on your MAGA hat. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to that end, there were proven to be people who were dressed up in disguise as the, uh, what was the guy's name, the BLM guy? Mm -hmm. He was literally wearing Trump stuff. Jade Nix? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was also some other that off-brand Trump stuff that's yeah. not even from Trump. They don't <laughs> <laughs> it was like gas station Trump stuff. It, no, it's like you're not exactly. close enough to the rally. It's where like the merchandise tables first start, but as oh, you get closer yeah. to the parking lot, you get the official merch. Yep. The guy the guy with the trench coat, now you want the Trump t-shirt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says Trump. No, it says... No, no, it's the... Trump. Yeah. Trump. <laughs> I don't know, but what do you think about this whole January 6th committee? Before we play any more audios, what's your, what's your take on it? Just kind of uh, take everybody's mind off of the important issues that are affecting everybody in America right now. Obviously, they're trying to make some good commercials for the midterm elections in the Democrat Party with some other sound bites because they're going to talk about the true fighters. Hopefully, Liz Cheney will, like, vacant <laughs> her seat and then run for, for the same seat as a Democrat where she's supposed to be. But uh, what do you think's going on with this right now? I don't know if you saw, they did cancel today's event. They said it was due to some administrative stuff, but there's been some things coming out over the last 24 hours. One was that the DOJ isn't going to find at the end, of the end of the day anything to prosecute Donald Trump for because they really can't. And, and the other one was Donald Trump put out a pretty hefty statement yesterday shooting some holes in this whole committee, figuratively. 
I don't think I've read a statement yesterday. I might have. Um, I can't quite remember it. But uh, just in, and I haven't really been following this, the TV show hearings, you know, in the last week, just a couple, you know, news clips here and there. But uh, in general, this is, I'm actually kind of relieved that the DOJ says they're not going to be pressing charges. So that's kind of a huge ah, sigh of relief because I really think the whole purpose of this is to prevent or disqualify Trump from being eligible to run in 2024, which I believe the whole setup of January 6th before the hearings in the committee was formed was the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's Hail Mary to stop Trump from uh, being able to run again in 2024. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to stop Trump from or trying to get Trump impeached because he was already leaving two weeks. You know, it was January 6th. So he's already exiting the White House doors in two weeks. So it wasn't them trying to get him out early. No, they were thinking long term, like, all right, we don't want him to run again in 2024. What is our last minute? Hail Mary. Let's do a setup. Oh, what's on the calendar? Oh, Trump's going to be speaking at the ellipse January 6th. How can we, we got to do something with this, guys. All right, we'll, uh, We'll have the Capitol Police, you know, let people in and we'll call it an insurrection and we'll quickly, guys, they, they didn't, the House didn't even do an investigation or a trial when it nope. came to the impeachment. They just quickly rushed in for a vote. It was the weirdest thing. It was like trying to spike a football, right? And, you know, trying to run down the clock to win the game in a football. It was just so bizarre. So, yes, this was our last minute Hail Mary to try to stop Trump from running in 2024. There was no other reason. It's extremely obvious. And then they quickly sent the papers over to the Senate and they quickly did a I don't know, maybe a week's worth of trial. And then then they ended up, uh, that was a dud. And there wasn't enough votes. So Trump was acquitted again. But yeah, they, and they ended up doing the, if you guys remember, the acquittal votes was actually after Trump was out of office. So there was this back and forth. I'm like, well, he's not a sitting president. So you can't really, I mean, this should just end. Like he's not even in office right now. Where, why are you trying to impeach him? Oh yeah, I remember his lawyer, is, his lawyers were tearing it up on all the new shows that would would let him speak. You know, they tried to guide him and be like, "Yeah, you were his his trial uh, lawyers, but don't you feel like you know he's guilty for this that?" And he'd be like, "No, no, no, I don't." He's like, "And we just proved it in in, in like the second highest court in the land that he." Did not have anything to do with this. He was acquitted. He didn't have the votes to acquit, to impeach him. So no, I don't feel like he did anything wrong. Uh, he had some pretty good lawyers for that uh, second impeachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's all about twenty twenty four for the Democrats. They were just thinking how to stop Trump. So the January sixth committee. That's um, I think their last attempt. Really, I don't think they have it any other way unless it's going to be like another pandemic. Mm. In the next year, and then they're going to try to oh, they push said, they said mail, one, they mail said, and ballots. I don't yeah. know. I hope not. They keep saying once in a generation, so you can't have it like twice in two years. Um, I did just see as we're talking right now, it says there are reports out of Mar-a-Lago that Donald Trump's getting ready to announce, which would be early, and he'd have some campaign finance laws to uh, to have to deal with in regards to taxes. Maybe announcing next month, as early as next month, his 2024 presidential. Really? Yeah. Much. So that would be July. Wow. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, because usually I think to avoid the previous year's campaign finance laws, it's that's early. Yeah, that's pretty early because you know when Trump announced his 20, 2016 run, that was June of twenty fifteen, a yep. year and a half before election day. So this is two years. Yeah. More than that. That's. He'd have to pay a whole another year of campaign finance taxes, and uh, 
they they were thinking like the way you avoid the previous years is a hundred days after the midterm elections. That's like the date that everybody was kind of thinking because at that point you mm-hmm. avoid the whole previous year's campaign finance uh, regulations and stuff like that. But you know what? Maybe he just doesn't care, and he's got a three hundred million dollar war chest right now. So plus all the money that Kevin McCarthy's brought into the party, much to my dismay, because I'm really not a huge fan of him at all. But you know the fact of the matter is they're they're somewhere, you know, around $500 million for the 2024 presidential campaign. So I think they're okay-ish. Um, and Donald Trump's never been a huge fan of commercials. Uh, he ran one of, like, the cheapest campaigns against Hillary Clinton and still beat her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite impressive. Yeah. I, he, he'd rather yep. do rallies than, than, than rerun commercials on Fox News, which I think definitely resonates better with the people. Unlike Liz Cheney, who's someone that doesn't resonate with anybody. She she was also becoming a 2000 Mules expert. Let's hear her last night. And this. Donald Trump now, quote, clings to more fantastical theories, such as Dinesh D'Souza's debunked 2000 Mules even as recounts in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin confirm Trump lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've already touched on that a little bit because you know what? Uh, we all kept our eyes firmly secured on the Georgia race and, and what we saw there, that lead evaporate over the course of, uh, I believe it was three or four days. Same in Arizona. You know, it's interesting. They called Arizona, you know, with like 11%, and I mean, it was just immediately. And then it ended up being... Uh, 0.2% margin of air quote victory for Biden. Why would they call it so early when it ended up only being right. still, you know, in parentheses to 0.2%, not even. Yeah. Not even so, 1%. No, I'll never forgive Brett. Barry. And I believe, and I believe Trump won Arizona by like 11 points in sure. the last election cycle. So why, how, and guys, since I'm from Oregon, you know, I'm not, a new Florida resident. I believe Trump won the state of Oregon too. Mm-hmm. Guys, you should do this. Look on like Ballotpedia or Wikipedia. Look at the popular vote totals for Obama 08, Obama 12, and then Hillary 16. Look at their, it's about a million for their win for Oregon. And the percentage lead was anywhere from 11 points to 16 points between the Democrats win for the state of Oregon. All right. So then I was like, well, how did Trump do in 2020 in Oregon? Did he do better than 2016? Like he had to do better, right? So I went on and I was comparing the numbers. Trump had almost the same popular vote totals as the Democrats winning numbers in the last three election cycles, but he lost by 16 points to Joe Biden. Uh. They no freaking way. Joe Biden. So that Obama had the most amount of votes in Oregon. Like it was like a little over a million. Joe Biden's 2020 popular vote total for Oregon was 1.3 million. Where in the world did these extra 300 plus thousand votes come from? And Trump, he gained like 200,000 votes too in Oregon. So he had a huge jump. So I really think Trump won Oregon by like seven or eight points comfortably. If Democrats won with his same popular vote totals by 11 to 16 points, oh my gosh. Mm. And here's the other thing too, guys. Oregon, um, the pandemic didn't change anything for Oregon when it came to how they run elections. Oregon has been mail-in voting since 1988. So this was business as usual for Oregon. So this didn't change anything. So how in the world did Joe Biden get an extra 300,000 popular vote tally in Oregon? I don't get it. Especially during a pandemic. I guess, you know, the population should have decreased because everyone was dying because of COVID. No, they, it's extremely corrupt. The voter rolls are the problem. No, you, you make 100% sense, and I agree with you. I don't think a lot of people in this country realize 
when you talk about some of the states who have historical mail-in ballot voting, like Oregon, California, Washington, Washington and New York State, how many hundreds of thousands, if not million votes, that just goes to pad in the stats every general election. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, we, we do have some hope. There are some good candidates running in California right now. I really like some of the House candidates here. Uh, that made it through the primary, and we actually, we, we right before you came on, we talked to someone who, uh, he's going to be the first person as a GOP Senate nominee uh, in 10 years. We haven't had a Republican senator in 30, so at least to get on the ballot, uh, show some hope, and actually shows that the people are a little fed up with the stuff that's going on here. Um, I know someone who's looking to, well, do something, but it's not going to be really much to do about anything at the end of the day. It's a weaponized DOJ head, Merrick Garland, who was peppered with questions yesterday when he wanted to talk about one issue and everybody wanted to ask about January 6th. So he, he, he gave a little teaser on uh, if, if or whether or not he's watching it. Uh, let's hear what he said. I am uh, watching and I will be watching all the hearings, although I may not be able to watch all of it live. Uh, but I'll be sure that I'll be watching all of it. And I can assure you that uh, the January 6th prosecutors are watching all the hearings as well. Hmm. Like anybody cares because they're not going to be able to prosecute anything except some of the maybe political prisoners that are in uh, D.C. Gitmo right now. Mm. My gosh. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the D.C. prisoners, the, the J6 prisoners. I mean, I do we have a status on, if you know, when – like what do they have charges, official charges? Do they have uh, a trial date? What's the status on? You would think the with prisoners. Like the now working and, and at some point end of this committee and their results that they would have to do something. Well, I don't want to say legally because they've gone so far outside the bounds of legal, what they've done to some of these people, um, you know, who are, who are just literally like walk. Some people that are in jail and have been in jail since day one never even went inside the Capitol. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just, we've heard so many sad stories on the show of people who were there. And then the who, guy who, you know, pushed everything down. And yeah. He's just, you know, cruising his golf cart on his ranch. Hey, listen, we need to go into the Capitol. That's what oh. I said. Good old Ray Epps. Thank God for Julie, yeah. Julie Kelly and uh, Darren Beatty, the people that blew the lid off that crap because, uh, I think we'd be in a way worse situation if it if they didn't, and they risked a lot to uh, you know put their reputations out there. But they've done a hell of a job. I just think that I just wanted to end for some of the listen. And we say it almost every time we talk about J six on the show. Anyone that was out there being stupid, like hitting cops, yeah. property destruction, lock them up. That's fine. We, we think it's funny, but whoever shit on Mitch McConnell's desk, we'd like to have you on the show after you face you know charges for whatever the charge of <laughs> shitting on Mitch McConnell's ah, but Yeah, you know, it's one, it's one of those things. You're like a personal hero, but you have to abide by the law. But don't do that again. Yeah, <laughs> how dare you? You know, but the, for the people that are really caught up in this, you know, we've seen a couple people commit suicide. Uh, we've had people on the show whose family members are directly wrapped up in this. You know, they're having to, like, financially cover for their kids, their houses, their property. They've lost their jobs. Obviously, their credit's down the toilets. They're not going to be able to... Uh, you know, function in normal society. It's just a shame to see, like, for the for all a big virtue signal, if this is as bad as both impeachments and the Mueller investigation, all the other allegations they did against Donald Trump, we all know that the disposition against him is going to be nothing. But it, but this time they really did not just arrest Roger Stone on TV, not just get General Flynn to quit under bad circumstances. They literally put young United States citizens in jail for now almost two years and, like, 
beat them and psychologically abuse them and are, are trying to get them to confess to things they in some cases might not have done. Yeah, and they just they just want to get out at this point. Anybody that's going to fold, they're just going to be like, fuck, whatever, I did it. It's just like beating somebody during an inter- interrogation until they just, I'll just tell you whatever you want. I don't yep. care anymore. I just want it to stop. Yeah. So that's what they're trying yeah. to do. It's a torture tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Well. My goodness. You know, we're just going to keep praying for them, and we'll continue to advocate for the people who come on the show and tell their side of the story. You know, we like our listenership to hear all versions of it. But I, I tell you what, over the course of this going on for the last year and a half or more now, everybody that's come on the show are not connected to each other. Listen, we've had two influencers on in back-to-back weeks who have been brought before the J6 committee and sat down and said they were the person that literally instigated the whole thing. They came on back-to-back weeks. And I'm just like, this is retarded. You know, they've dra- they dragged Christina Bob in there because she put a gif of Mel Gibson uh, from Braveheart up on her Twitter on the morning of January 6th for six really? hours. And it has her stupid-ass questions like, do you believe in the deep state? And if you do, what do you think they are? And, oh, my and, you, gosh. You know, it's just like they've absolutely been torturing these people. Oh, my so, gosh. I didn't know that about Christina Bob. Yeah, she, that's she, ridiculous. She, she she wasn't too happy to have to. She actually had to reschedule with us one day because they called on short notice and were like, "You need to fly to DC because we want to talk to you." Wow. Yeah, I know uh, Alex uh, Alex is he one of had the, to testify. Yeah, he's one of the people who they said, you know, organized the entire thing himself. Twenty three and a half year old, young strapping, and his co-organizer who he doesn't know. Yeah, and, and the other guy <laughs> they, who they called in the week before who said, no, we, "We know you did it, and if you if you didn't do it, you need to tell on us." By the way, did Alex Brusewitz do it? He's like, he's like, "Who? I don't even know who that is." So you know, it was one of those things where I don't listen to hip hop. Yeah, that's some of the stuff that's going on behind closed doors in the J Six Committee. But we won't ever see Nancy Pelosi's receipts, Muriel Bowser's receipts, the uh, the Capitol Sergeant at Arms receipts, or, or or any of the other stuff that happened on that day, which probably would show the logistical failures and security failures that it actually was. Um, and I wish we could end on a better note. I mean, you could probably garrison him a couple of times. But in our last audio clip of the day, Joe Biden talked today at the AFL-CIO summit where he was talking about how he's gone around the world over the last now almost 17 months cleaning up Donald Trump's messes. America's back. I travel the world. Oh, you. Back together. you know, Trump cannot leave a very good situation. You think I'm kidding no matter where I go in the world, mm. whether it was the Inter-American Conference we just had for the, this, this hemisphere, huh? or NATO, or dealing with the ASEAN countries, or the Far East, guess what? They look at me and I say, I say America's back, and they look at me and they say, Who? For how long? <laughs> wow. This is America. We can do any damn thing we put our minds to. And guess what? We're not going back to the false promises of the trickle-down economics. We're going forward. How about cheap gas and energy Emma, do you feel that much better now that the adults are back in charge? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hell no. Gosh. Did, did I We're going that? forward off a cliff. Did, did he say... Did he say... Was he supposed to say Asian, and, but he said Asia? Yes. Well, it's all about how you pronounce things. He also. Oh he, my gosh! Listen, I, I mean, here on Stiak for breakfast, we we liked it, you know. <laughs> Put it in the microwave. I was like, am I tripping? What is? <laughs> no, you know what? He actually he had some lady up today that he was talking to. He was doing like a maybe he was looking at a water bottle. It was Avion 
<laughs> a face-to-face press a face-to-face presser with and her name was one thing which was nothing like the, the word nagasaki but that's what he introduced her as and everybody was just like oh, and he's like i'm joe biden <laughs> so I just, yeah it was pretty bad nagasaki. i couldn't oh find a better like clip. That, uh... not, gonna, not, gonna, not gonna work here anymore anyway yeah it's like that what is it keep that what is it key and peel yes get like and yeah, that's love, that's Joe Biden. I love pronouncing those. simple American names. Well, I think we found our audio clip now for the uh, oh, there it is end of the show. We always try to put a little comedy sketch at the end. Um, listen, Emma, this has been great sitting down with you for the first time. We obviously hope it's not the last. Hopefully, you've had a decentish experience on steak for breakfast, and that at some point in the future, you'd like to come back and uh, co-host with us again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have a very flexible schedule. So uh, just hit me up when you have an opening or you're needing a filler. Just uh, hit me up. Well, I think the most important thing we get out of this entire you know, segment that we had you on the show was to direct our much of our listenership that's not already following you to follow you wherever you could find Emma Mitchum. Oh, well, um, so whoever is listening, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time and energy with my content. Uh, You can follow me at Emma underscore Mitchum, M-I-T-C-H-E-M at Instagram. And then I think my Twitter handle is the same as well. Um, But I'm really on Instagram. I'm not on, I have a true social account, same name, but uh, I'm not really on it much. But uh, if you want to get a hold of me or see my my content, it's Instagram. So, yep. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you coming down today. Obviously, we're going to live link all your uh, socials in our show description. And like I said, we'll look forward to having you back. Awesome. Can't wait. She's one of our favorite digital creators. However, now she's a political commentaryist. Miss Emma Mitchin, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me. Not too bad of a way to start the week. What do you think, guys? Had worse, had better. Stop it. Liz Harrington was on. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. We had a great show today, and we were very thankful for all our guests. Uh, and if you want to hear well, these segments and all the other ones that we've done on Steak for Breakfast, you can follow us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and, of course, via the Roku app on the Patriot Podcast Network. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Don't forget to leave a review. And always download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our uh, three amazing guests today. Spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump, Miss Liz Harrington. California senatorial candidate. Kind of feels weird saying that, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Mark Moisier and uh, our guest host, Miss Emma Mitchum. In addition to that, some of our internet friends. We've got uh, Cagbro88, The Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Hugh White Memes, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappard, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go and uh, throw some cashola at our uh, partners. Because when you do that, all you do is help make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow. Father's Day is this weekend. Let me tell you something. My slippers, they're delicious. When you enter promo code steak at checkout, you get big, big savings. Hit them up on the website, mypillow.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. Get yourself some of the top tier of ear gear down at Odyssey. I love my headphones, and Noah looks handsome wearing his. They are the uh, highest of quality that I've ever worn in my life, and I highly recommend them. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay Ready Gear holsters. 
You want to get a picture of uh, shocked AOC reacting to uh, whether or not she's going to endorse Joe Biden in 2024. Throw it on a concealed carry Kydex holster, that melty plastic done right just for you. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat, Noah. Mm-mm. We're not going to mistreat it on Friday because we uh, you bought it. I'm prepping it right now. You're going to shake it, sprinkle it, rub it in there, throw it on the grill, and right into our mouths. I'm going to reorder some man rubs, actually. I'm running low. Mm. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all of your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. They love the gear for Mediocre Medic. They like their IG a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And DumpBox.us. I think I'm going to bring my uh, Super Mega Ultra Zero Fucks Donald Trump Duck on Friday so we can hang it up when we have some guests in the studio. And uh, We're up there. It's going to be great. DumpBox.us is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. I love them. I just ordered a new one. I'm going to bring it in on uh, Friday. They had version two of, uh, you know. The thing? Yes. The space <laughs> The space between us. No, version, version two of Walter. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, upcoming shows. We got a lot of them. Friday's going to be a banger. Uh, we're going to squeeze Jake Evans in there. He's got a big runoff election in Georgia 6, com- six coming next week. On that side note, I was texting with Mike Collins this morning, and even though he's not in a, on an upcoming show, he did have a little bit of a message for us. Uh, he says he wants to make the show, but he's out there doing everything he can to win that runoff against Vernon Jones next week. Uh, 10-4 good buddies. We love you guys. We're on the road. 18-county truck tour in the Peterbilt. Honk, honk. Don't know if we'll have the time or service, but wish I can be there. And I said, Mike, don't worry. We'll circle back after you win next Tuesday. Nice. So that would be great. But in addition to Jake Evans on Friday, we are going to have Jackson Lehmeyer, Oklahoma Senate candidate, coming back with us. Doug Mastriano, nominee for the governor of Pennsylvania. Mm. Lauren Culp, who's running with... Right next to Joe Kent in Washington 4. Mike Cassidy, who just won a big force in a runoff in Mississippi 3. And Sublime and Simon Bricksuit will be in studio. It's going to be a great show. Cash Patel, Max Miller, Robbie Starbuck, and Keith Pacquiao will be here on Tuesday the 21st. That'll be our first uh, in-studio appearance for anybody in the new studio. Sure will be, and hopefully they like it. On the 24th, we've got Blake Masters, Trump endorser in the Arizona Senate. We're going to get a full update on the border war that's going on with uh, Jorge Ventura. And then we'll sit down on a soft reschedule with TMTG CEO, former Congressman Devin Nunes. Should be a good one. In addition to that, on the 28th, we'll have the former Acting Attorney General of the United States, Matt Whitaker. Fish mm. Burrow will be here on July 1st. And on the 8th of July, we'll have Trump-endorsed nominee, Texas 15, Monica De La Cruz. So great shows coming up, and we're adding lots of guests to the repertoire between now and then. Friends of the Week, let's go down the list. Maria Unmuzzled. Let's go, Brenda, The Real Al Gorbachev, Madam America, mm, That Southern Dude. Not Far Out actually had some bangers this week. Silent Moon Jordy, Dumbass Photoshop, Grand Old Memes, Truth on Draft. Emma Mitchin had some qu- content that I shared this week. It was quite good. Mm. And uh, let's do one more. Well, obviously, Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks for remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. We had a great time with Liz Harrington, and she went over today because we knew exactly what questions to ask her, and she liked them so much, she fully and totally endorsed us. Number two, start a podcast. Edit today, Noah, not bad. 
It's actually really easy. I went soft this week because Friday's a shit show. Sorry. Mm. Like 17 guests. Wait, what? <laughs> Number three. Let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about American greatness enough. It's time to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode number 143 of the Steak for Peckers podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with uh, some stutters. Jackson Lehmeyer. Breakfast. Doug Bastriano, Mike Cassidy, Lauren Culp, Jake Evans, Sublime and Slime, and Brick Suit. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Friday. Great job. Thanks for listening and take care. All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay, so that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay, then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Balake. Where is Balake at? There's no Balake here today. Yes, sir. My name is Blake. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Blake. What? Do you want to go to war, Balaki? No. Because we could go to war. No. I'm for real. I'm for real. So you better check yourself. D-nice. Is there a D-nice? If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath.